to Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, we've had the chance to interview several people from the Mobile County Public School System. Yes. Some and very interesting people. Yeah, those have been some great mm-hmm. conversations. And I know we have even others that we haven't released yet. So we've had quite a few of those. But, you know, I'm over across the way there at the university. Yes, Professor. Yes, and, and we haven't had the chance to speak with many people or anybody from the university yet. Yes. And, and today we do have a guest from the University of South Alabama, and I'm very excited for him to be here. I'm, I'm an alum from USA. Yes, go Jags. Go Jags. Um, so I'm very excited to have Dr. Paul Frazier here today with us. So Dr. Paul Frazier is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at South Alabama, Dr. Frazier, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me this morning. Oh, we're so glad to have you. So I'd, I'm curious about that title and what that means, but before we get into that, uh, I'd like to back up and just kind of looking through some of the, the notes, you, you have a very interesting background in education. So if you don't mind, if you take us back a few years and, and kind of Guide us through that story. Yeah, a tell bit. us a little bit about yourself and how you sure sure here today. I uh, I started out um, as a uh, public school teacher. I uh, taught history, uh, taught sophomore English, and then um, civics one year. Uh, so I, I've taught at uh, high school, at a uh, middle school. And then I coached uh, football, basketball, track, and uh, I, I was late to a filming meeting and ended up becoming the head wrestling coach. So <laughs> the moral to that story. <laughs> Don't be late, right? That's exactly, Don't be late. Right. That's exactly So where, right. where, where did you do this? Uh, I'm this? originally from Amarillo, Texas. Okay. Um, went to, uh, well, that's not where I started, but I had a football scholarship when played and then I decided to transfer closer to home. Um, then finished all my degrees at Texas Tech, which is in Lubbock, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you graduate and then you looking for a job, and things just kind of happen. And so, I never right. left. <laughs> nice. Well, eventually you did because now you're here. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so. I did. Uh, and and it's been it's it's been a different change, but it's been a good change. So you've kind of moved through being a teacher into administrative areas. Actually, most of my career in um, public ed was in on the administrative side. I um, was assistant principal at a uh, alternative school. I've been an assistant principal at a, a lockup facility, uh, which was really connected to the alternative school. Uh, assistant principal at a middle school. Uh, assistant principal at a uh, high school slash magnet medical magnet school, uh, and then I ended up becoming the principal of that that particular school. Uh, and then went to uh, become the um, director for student services for the school district. Well, those schools sound very innovative. Yeah. I, do you mind talking a little bit about the the lockup school? That's that's something that we haven't had any. Uh, talk and about the medical before. magnet, sure. a medical yeah. magnet school. Right. That's very interesting too. I'd like to hear. Uh, that. You know, the uh, lockup facility was. You know, it, it, it could be long term, but a lot of students they were there for ten days, so you had. A lot of turnover, um, you know, it, misdemeanors, and some were there for, for felons. Uh, so that you could have a student there for 10 days, or you can have a student there that, unfortunately, may be fit to be prosecuted as an adult. 
Uh, So it was a wide range um, and kind of segregated off by gender. Um, Really, that job, if if students weren't in a learning mode uh, and didn't want to participate, then they spent the rest of the day in isolation. So, I mean... um, you, you kind of had the upper hand, uh, but, you know, as far as actually gaining an education and gaining knowledge, that probably didn't happen because you didn't have them there long enough. And before they came to lockup, they was probably in the alternative school. And so uh, you're dealing with a population, mostly low SES, that... Uh, Socioeconomic status yes. for our listeners. Just, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Yes. Um, that that needed that consistency and and didn't get it. And so the possibilities of them building a foundation in, in subjects that where you had scaffolding uh, didn't happen. And and if it did, uh, it was very minimal. Sure. Do, do you think that that experience of, of working in that type of um, environment kind of helped shape you as you moved forward with, with other positions? Well, you know, I, I've, I've been able, I've been fortunate to have uh, a vast array of experiences. You know, what, what it reinforced for me is that, that you can't give up on students. So, uh, because I've seen young people end up and make that one mistake at 15, 30 seconds and made a mistake. And, and then you run into them as adults and they have families, they have kids and they're working. And so, um, some of them just couldn't function in the day-to-day public school, and some of them just needed that kind of one-on-one because it was smaller class settings um, and, and someone that could teach to their learning style. And so uh, for me, that's what it reinforced, uh, that, that we can't give up on students um, and, and uh, reinforce that if you're teaching there, you definitely had to have – some differentiated teaching styles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you had sc- students from all over the spectrum, um, and they supported students that were from different counties. And so, well, it sounds very rewarding, and and what you described almost sounded like a holding ground, but really was an opportunity, right, right, for these kids. Well, you know, I, I that's the positive side of it, mm-hmm. but it really became dumping ground Mm. you know that was the the, if we were getting close to state testing time the numbers went up right so uh, it and and for stuff that probably should have been handled you know in the in the building Uh, you know some kids if they are uh, falling behind and my way out of class is to act up uh, but only because I feel uncomfortable and, you know, you put kids on the spot, you paint them in a the corner, then they go back to what they know, right? And so, uh, you know, we would hope that education is about providing students uh, with more tools, mm-hmm. you know. But if you – all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything is a nail, right? And so for those students <laughs> – So well said. I want to remember that. <laughs> for those students, everything was a nail, and they went back to what they knew, right? right. And so uh, – Eventually, we, we find a niche, and you find that one person that tells you, hey, you can do better, and and we need to guide you. And sometimes that's you know not necessarily in the family. That's someone from the outside that, that sees something different different in you. And, you know, you often have people that 
see something that you don't necessarily see in yourself. And, and, you know, we all need that. Yes. Yeah, we all need Absolutely. that. So. Absolutely. And I, Julie and I were both, uh, well, she still is, but I was an elementary school teacher um, in the public schools before yeah. I, I came to South. And, you know, one of the things I think is difficult for teachers is sometimes those students that are the most disruptive and, and the hardest to work with are the ones that need us the most. That's right. Absolutely. And, and for many teachers, it's the, you know, it's the, that kid's disrupting the class. They need mm-hmm. to get them out of the class. But really, that kid's crying out for help right. in, in the only way they really know how. And I think that that, that becomes a challenge. And mm-hmm. that's just. We have know, to get more tools right. to be able to give them more tools, just right. like you said. And right. just like you were saying, to be able to give those children, to meet them where they need to be met mm-hmm. in order to give them what they need. You know, uh, and we, we all have some uh, phenomenal uh, professionals around us and, and teach at really high levels. Uh, but the gift is to be able to go down and get them and bring them up yeah. to that level. And, right. and sometimes we, we're just not uh, able to do that. Right. Uh, you only see your own agenda or what you think you need to right, put out, right. not what the student needs. Right. So I, I equate that to Magic Johnson. I thought Magic Johnson was one of the best points, point guards ever. You know, I, I got my purple and gold converse because of Magic. I, <laughs> That's the only reason I played foot, uh, basketball because, you know, I was trying to be like Magic. Um, but when he played the game, he was really great at it. But when he tried to coach, he wasn't very good. <laughs> and and when he became a GM, he wasn't very good. You know, because you can't coach passion, right? You can't, right. You can't teach that. Uh, you can demonstrate it, but you can't teach that. And so sometimes we have a passion for something. We have a passion for math or science, and, and we teach it here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we can't flip that switch to, right. Uh, you know. well, well, I think that validates that just because you know how to do something doesn't mean no, you know how to teach it. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, you have, uh, and I probably will never be able to work in mobile public schools, but you have some, some 30 year vets that are first year teachers. Oh. <laughs> 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 wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely an art as much yeah. as it is a science. Right, that's right, for sure. Right, um, and, and you have to evolve because you know s- students are different. Uh, you know, you you went from an age where, you know, whatever you told a student was golden. Well, now if you tell them in a the class, they'll look it up. You know, they'll fact check you. Right. Like, <laughs> you better know. Yeah, yeah that's not right. But just right. skip that part and have them look it up in the first right. place. Right. It, it, yeah. <laughs> Especially if they on Wikipedia, they think that is, yes. you know. Fascinating. Right. That's so, fascinating. Right. And so you got to be uh, about 17 steps ahead of them. Right. right. I think uh, that's important. Right. I think it's a very valid point. Right. So what brought you to Mobile and to the University of South Alabama? Well, uh, after I left uh, public schools, I went into higher ed, and I became the assistant uh, vice president for diversity and inclusion at Texas Tech. Um, then eventually was promoted to the associate uh, vice president. Um, and what intrigued me uh, about Mobile, because I, I had never been to the South, never been to Alabama, and I've traveled, uh, but something about the geographical location of Mobile mm-hmm. um, intrigued me. Um, things about South intrigued me. The, the student demographics intrigued me. Uh, you know, where the city 
was located and kind of how, you know, you start doing your research and you think, okay, uh, that looks interesting. And, and it was an opportunity for me because I, I serve as the inaugural diversity officer to build it from the ground up. Uh-huh. Um, at Texas Tech, it was some things and resources already there. Um, and, you know, you get to stages in your career where you think, okay, I, I need a different challenge. You sure. know, I think I can do it. And uh, to start something. Right, And to right. have that opportunity and to start. So I was really excited about building it from the ground up. Um, you know, the demographics are different at South than at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, because we were trying to build capacity to become an HSI. Uh, okay. We have a thing about acronyms because we yes. don't, yeah, we got to clear yes. that up. Uh, <laughs> Hispanic Servant Institute. Okay. I'm sorry. But, but we, we in, the, in the field where we always use right. acronyms. That's, oh, that's right. When yeah. we started the podcast, we talked about that. Oh, there's so many acronyms in education right. that we have so to we always help our try, listeners. Yeah, we always try to break those down into what they are. So right. that's the Hispanic Servant Institution. Okay. Serving Institution. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so that particular area in Texas, um, you have a booming Hispanic population. Uh, when I went to school there, we were probably at probably about 3%, and that's what the African-American population was. Uh, when I left uh, from becoming um, the AVP, <laughs> the, uh, the associate VP, um, you had reached 27%. Oh, okay. And that was at Texas Tech? That was at Texas Tech. So when you came to South Alabama, what did you find for your demographics? Why did that intrigue you? Well, uh, it was about 22%. African American, mm-hmm. uh, similar demographics though. Um, about forty eight, forty nine percent pale eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to tech, so that says you you drawing in some rural communities. Uh, right. You drawing in a lot of first gen students. Uh, that's really my passion. I was a first generation student. Uh, I can remember when I was being recruited to play football. My dad said, do what the coach told you to do. And that's all he, he didn't care about where I went. He just said, yeah, because yeah. he didn't understand. And, you know, so um, he's like, hey, don't talk to me about do what they told you to do. I understand. <laughs> that was the first gen as well. Right. So it was like I came home and said, hey, I'm going to South. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. right. <laughs> they Good luck. Just expected me to, to figure it out. And right. so when you, you think about what that encompasses, um, you know, oftentimes you're educating parents. Uh, as well as the students, right? Sure. Yeah. And if you look at it from a public ed side, you know, they spend more time with us than they do at home sometimes. Right. And and so you become, because uh, every school I worked at was a Title Title IX campus. Uh, so you end up being the preacher, the lawyer, the doctor, the counselor, um, as well as trying to educate them. And, but I think... That, that's the rewarding part of that because we, we assume that all the education they'll need happens in the classroom, and that's not the case. Sure. Right? And, and so every opportunity that you have to educate them about life, right, how, how to navigate through life uh, is important, right? Because, I mean, I'd never seen the importance of algebra, and then I had to take trig, and I really didn't understand that because, you know, growing up, I can't think of any time I used algebra – but I do like multiplication in addition of my finances. <laughs> so, right. And, and, so, and if you need it, right. you have it. Right. If you need it, it's that right. goes back to that toolkit. Right. If you need it, right. you have it. But it is right. about educating students for life. Right, right. And I think, you know, that's where uh, even, you know, at South, we have students that graduate and think, okay, what's next? 
like I've, I've done this, but what's next, right? And uh, you think, as, as we talk about what's next, uh, what that job market is going to look like for some of them coming out uh, after this pandemic? What, what is that going to look like? And, you know, so we got to talk to them about, and we talk to ourselves about being a lifelong learner, right? And, and be, be mindful of new innovations. And so we got to encourage them to do the same things. Um, you know, we have sub, you know, that story about, um, you never know what opportunity will come. Um, all my degrees are ge- geared toward me becoming a superintendent. And even after I finished my doctorate, I went back and got a master's in curriculum instruction because I was like, man, most superintendents don't have this. I'm, I'm going to go do that, right? Nice. Make myself more marketable. Uh, and I graduated with that degree, and then I took this job at Texas Tech. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. It still may come handy down the line. Yeah, so. But, well, as far as being in diversity and inclusion at South Alabama, so what does that entail for you? What does that look like for you? To, to do, or what are the things that you set up right. as, you know, you know I, I, beginning I, I, it? You know, I stated earlier, I, I came to South because of some of the challenges, and, and I knew there were going to be challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some things that you look at and you say, well, you know, why, why would we do it like that? And, and then the canned answer is, well, that's the way we've always done it. That doesn't mean to necessarily mean it's right. So if you look at our... Uh, Students that are uh, of color or students that have, have been marginalized, uh, there are some achievement gaps there, and there's some retention gaps, and there's some gaps in graduation. And so that's some things that we got to address. Uh, if you look at the percentages of our faculty, um, you know, we're at 5% faculty of color. Mm-hmm. And, and so you look at how you can be innovative and change those things. And then, you know, Sometimes we think about how you define diversity, and we only think about race. But it's you know that's that encompasses a whole lot of different things now, uh, you know, sexual orientation, gender, right. and and we look and see, uh, you know, if you did a diversity matrix, we we have some issues with gender. You know, we have some departments that don't have a, a female, uh, and and so we look at age, and uh, you know, you have individuals that have done the same thing like I said, for 30 years, mm-hmm. and they, the resident, they're the resident expert. But uh, So it's they, about getting a fresh new aspect on it. Right. You know, they, they, they have that experience, but they, don't, they can't connect, right? They can't build rapport. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things, you know, we all uh, were taught about the uh, three R's that you need, but I think the most important one that we never mention is the relationship building. Oh. And, right, and so Absolutely. it's hard to... It's hard to learn and gain knowledge for someone you don't necessarily respect uh, and you don't feel have their, your best interests at heart. And uh, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And that's in the workplace. That's, you know, wherever we lose sight of that. And, and so as you talk about what does diversity inclusion include, you know, we, we're in a time where we're forced to have some difficult conversations right now. And, uh, on both sides, there's a fear of having that conversation because you don't have that relationship built, mm-hmm. right? And and we're scared to talk about it because someone's going to be offended. Uh, well, we, we'll never get past it. It'll always be uh, that elephant, pink elephant in the room because we've never got past just having a conversation. And so, you know, we have some systemic 
issues that we need to address. You know, you have individuals that will quick to be quick to say, well, I didn't mean it like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so you have to explain implicit, explicit biases. You have to s- explain what micro and macro aggressions are. Right. And, and and we use it every day. And and this not to single out anyone because we all have biases. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the first thing you got to do is admit that you, you know, I have some biases. Right. Um, I, I, I don't you know, I tell my girls all the time I'm allergic to. You being stupid, don't be stupid. <laughs> right? I, it breaks me out in hives. Don't don't make stupid decisions. Yeah, right? well, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, everyone has a bias, and and I agree that that's has to be the first step is right. to right. Uh, analyze and and reflect. Yeah. So things. so um, this uh, is talk about some of the things we're going to do at South coming up uh, for the first time. We're going to do a climate survey this fall. Uh, we'll offer some online diversity training. Um, and some people will take it, and some people will say, well, why do we need to take this diversity piece? But if you have a majority of your individuals you work with asking that question, then that's why you need it. I was, yes. Yeah. When we spoke with Reggie Duncan, it was it was pretty much the same thing. If you're wondering why you have to do that, then uh, that's, why. that's why you need to do it. That's exactly right. Because I think it's so important to recognize, to be able to self-reflect enough to recognize that you do have – a certain lens that you look through to see right. the world and that that lens is um, is different because of the experiences that you've had and right. the life that you've lived. And once you begin to realize that and, and recognize that other people are seeing the world through other lenses, then it opens up, I think, for that conversation to maybe give you the opportunity to, to shift your view mm-hmm. and, to, and to understand things. And something I think is so important um, – you were talking about the relationships, but also that empathy component as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, I mean, even going down to the elementary level, those kids know if you really care about absolutely. them. Absolutely. They right. can feel it with every mm-hmm. bone in their body. And if you genuinely care about them, they can feel it. And if you don't, they can feel that too. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, Kids will do anything for you if they feel like you care about them. You know, uh, I go back to coaching, you know, and I, or even being a principal, I probably said some things that is not recordable, but uh, particularly if I was coaching them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, those kids, those same kids, you know, generally loved you, right, and would run through a wall for you. Uh, but, but we don't do the same things in the classroom, right? Like we don't, we don't do those things, right? You, we don't. You know, build those relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've had several things that you think, well, why are they doing it like that? You know, we we had this new math teacher, and of course, I was trying to be like uh, Joe Clark uh, when I was mm-hmm. a principal, and I, all I could hear was this noise, and the kids sounded like the kids were going crazy, but he was teaching um, uh, some math equations, but they were playing dominoes. Right. And so it was organized chaos and the kids learned. And, you know, I went down there to, to you know, be the headhunter, like uh, <laughs> you, you and you come on. But, uh, you know, you st- sit outside the classroom and you ask kids about the lesson and they could tell you verbatim. They, so it was engagement. Right. It was engagement. Right. It was a little rowdy. Yeah. But yeah. it was some kids that one, they knew how to play dominoes. Mm-hmm. 
but you 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 connected it to a different part of their life, and so they learned everything that day, right? And you and it was the same way all day. I went back down there. Everyone learned that lesson. Now they may not have learned anything else, <laughs> but but that day, if you can get them out of for one day learning yes, the one thing, that's right. then, then that's that's great. Well, I'm very fa- I'm fascinated by what you're starting at South Alabama and opening up those conversations. Yeah, we so we'll have a series of uh, difficult dialogues. If if we weren't in a pandemic, we would have uh, kind of a difficult difficult dialogue lunch series, uh, and we'll still do that. We can still do some things virtually. As, you know, the thing is we talk about what's next, uh, what we've learned during this pandemic. I think we've learned a couple of things. Uh, one, how much we, we need to lean on each other. And, and we spend yes. so, much, so much time in our day thinking about how we're different. Yes. And, and, and when we could spend a whole lot more time on how we're alike, right? Oh, and just how we treat people, right? And so, uh, you know, that's where those things come in where – Am I treating someone like I would like to be treated? And because I don't understand their culture and I don't understand where they're coming from, okay, that's different. And I only base it on something I've seen on TV or something someone tells me about. And so if, if we can have that conversation where just where we talk about how we're alike, what, what are the things that we necessarily agree on, just some basic human principles. What a and great then, place to start. Right. And then, then you work forward from there, right? And so – it's almost like I'm going back to my public ed days in working and building curriculum, and, and I'm a big proponent of flipping the curriculum. And so you start where what you want those students to look like and work backwards. This is what we're going to need to get that, right? And so you got to do the same way in other relationships. This is what I'm going to need, and let's work backwards, right? And so you build capacity, but you're building human capacity uh, in doing that. So with That's your wonderful. with your position, um, part of it is is helping with the the faculty and the and the staff that's there at the university, but but also with is it partially also with recruiting students or Absolutely. connecting with students and something about um, I know our, our our producer talked with you a little bit about. You have an idea for some things with bringing in industry from the area as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I've reached out. I, you know, I think uh, in five years, Mobile will look completely different. Once they open the port, it's going to look different because you don't have a skilled labor population. So you're bringing in outside individuals to work in those jobs, uh, which is going to bring an immense amount of diversity. Uh, sure. And that's one of the things that attracted me to South, that, I mean, Mobile as well, the, the amount of diversity uh, and the seafood. I, I won't <laughs> lie about that. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's right. I, I only weighed about 175 when I came here. <laughs> we have the best food. <laughs> yeah. We that's really right. do. Uh, but, but I, you know, I think as, as we talk about, you know, how you do those things, um, we, we found out we needed each other, but we also found out that we, we have to think differently on how we teach, right? And, and it's forced us to kind of think outside of the box on how we do that digitally. You know, how can we make those same connections? And, we, and we're going to have to improve on that, right? Um, but then, it, you know, if you're in upper-level administration and, and you have these novice teachers, you, you're going to have to change how you do that as well, um, because if, 
like I said, I've been. I, I probably won't be able to apply for a job in Mobile County. But <laughs> if you weren't very good face to face, you didn't get better digitally, right? You, right. I mean, there was no magic pixie dust because you got on the computer. That just didn't happen. Uh, but so. You know, how do you're, you? You're, you're, you're killing me, Doctor. Right? You're <laughs> killing me. Well, Ju- Julie is over here holding her mouth to try not to laugh too hard. I mean, we we we've all lived in that space, and so yes. we know you just uh, it it just doesn't happen. So, so now you have students that have been out of school for six months. By the time we come back, if we're able to come back, right? And and they they hadn't seen each other, hadn't had that touch feel. Uh, that that warmth and energy just from being around each other, and we're going to expect them to just start over because we moved them a grade forward, and we moved them grade forward now with those foundational, <laughs> you know, scaffolding pieces, mm-hmm. right? So so we we built in a house, uh, and we hadn't mixed the cement right, right? <laughs> so That's it, a great it, analogy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be it's going to be different. Uh, and we can't do the same old thing no. the way we did it no. and what's new together. We have to change er- everything right, and right. really just think out of the box mm-hmm. about how to approach. Right. I, you know, everything. I think uh, really if, if you had the resources, this would be the opportune time to think like there is no box. Right, right. right? The, the, the box doesn't exist. And so. That's innovation. Right. Right. That's innovation. And and so we give teachers the space to do that. Um, and and we support them. Right? We give them the resources and space to do that. Well, going back to the industry, did you partner with certain industries in Mobile to... Well, I've tried to. Um, I've worked really closely with the Mobile County, um, not Mobile County, Mobile Commissioner's Office. Oh. Uh, got some grand dollars there. I've been working... Uh, and actually, this... You know, you kind of had that perfect storm. We, we're talking about uh, having students be able to work, uh, kind of intern, uh, work with some companies that uh, you, students just didn't even know those jobs existed. Right. Um, right. We're going to kind of pilot that this this fall with about twenty five kids and put them to work in different fields, and and uh, a company was going to pay them. Uh, not not much, but you know, but it was it was the experience they were going to sure. be able to right. get, and so uh, we we might have to <laughs> revamp that and relook at some of that as as we as we come back. Uh, but you know, we like I said, you just can continue to uh, sharpen it up, right? You know, we 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 become resilient on things, and and, and the ideas you had might become. Better ideas in right, the future, right? You know, because of not um, ahead. You know that whole. You know, I think we got to think about. Uh, sure, you want to bring in experts, uh, but but if we have opportunities to kind of grow our own, you know, that's why I like magnet schools. Uh, that's why I like uh, you know, early college schools, uh, which you know, from a South standpoint, I couldn't believe that Alabama had uh, uh, early college school here in the city and south did oh you mean the university of alabama right right, yes. right, right yeah right. they're the only ones that have the, the yeah. early credits so i i um yeah that that I'm, okay. okay but anyway you do work for the university of, of south alabama well i've said it public, i mean <laughs> okay. uh you know uh one of the reasons i they brought me in is to be an agitator sometime but like but i'm so competitive like at South, I do believe that we could be 
like the satellite of the Gulf Coast. I, I, I really believe that. Uh, but it's going to take doing some things a little differently, like uh, and recruiting students that we hadn't recruited before. Um, but also, once you recruit those students, you need to have resources mm-hmm. uh, because you you got to think like you know our international student population that that may become obsolete um, at least for a couple of years. Uh, it's just what it's going to be, you know. Uh, and, and we're facing that across the, you know, you have Harvard and, and Yale suing about visas because they want to keep their international student population. And, and that is a real conversation. And, and not only just being able to come legally and being able to have the documentation, but are parents going to feel comfortable sending their most prized possession overseas now? And sure. Right. Uh, you know, we, 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 as parents, we try to coddle and, and safe them, keep them safe as long as we possibly can. And then when we push them out the nest, we spend, stay up all night still thinking about it. So That's right. So. We absolutely do. Yeah. So. Well, Dr. Frazier, thank you so much for coming in today. No, thank you. I appreciate this was y'all. A, yeah, a great conversation. We always and go to what's next in Ed, and, and you definitely covered about what will be coming forward. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm excited that for your opportunity yes. to start something at the ground level and build it up, I, I, I can appreciate uh, that kind of challenge. And uh, yeah. it, it seems like you're doing a great job. Well, I don't know about that, but, but <laughs> like I said, I'm super competitive and I, I didn't sign up to be second. So we, well, there we're you going, go. I there mean, you go. I love uh, the satellite of the Gulf Coast. I love that. Uh, yeah. That I mean, you, you can't. Don't worry about what's going on up north, right? Because right, we got you, you here, right? And, um, and the people here in our and, kids and I here. think it's a good time for Mobile Public County Schools and South, right? Because why would you send your student off and hey, we could take care of it. we're family, and we're gonna take care of you, right? Uh, we we're gonna help you sharpen your skills because we we're gonna engage students that typically we probably hadn't engaged that in they're in the county schools. Uh, and then we're going to bring them to the South and, and we're going to educate them. But, but we're both going to be sharper because of that, right? That whole, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So we work together and sharpen each other's skills. So. I think that's a great way to Beautiful. Yeah. Well, end it up. Thanks so much for listening. And please be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's, what's next, next in the end. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, Please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at Next in Ed and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.